0: Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, uh, if we haven't yet met, and odds are we probably have not yet met, because there's loads of new people, there's loads of people I don't know. My name is Matt. Um, I uh, Yes, as was mentioned by by Rich just a few moments ago, I help lead one of the midweek life groups here. I'm also part of the, uh, the teaching team here at Grace City, and it's wonderful um, to, to have you here if this is your first time or your second time, or you're just here. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Um, Yes, so we are in a a book um, of the Bible called Mark, so if you do have a Bible, we've been in this series for a little while, you want to turn to Mark chapter 2. We have been really investigating who Jesus is, uh, who Mark says Jesus is, and this morning we're actually just going to dive straight in, if if that's okay. We're just going to start reading from Mark chapter 2, starting from verse 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come Is for fresh wineskins. Now, if you are not uh, a Christian here this morning, if you're not someone who'd say I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus, this may this may really interest you. As as Christians, um, we actually get a whole range of responses when people find out and discover. Oh, you're a Christian! A whole range of responses. When I was in a, in England, uh, one of the most common responses was just just bafflement. Like, I what? You're, like when I say, I'm a Christian, it's as if they hear something completely, there's something complete. I'm a pigeon. They just don't, they don't know, they have no idea what i just said. This is kind of, like I don't know what to do with that piece of information you've just given me. And, and sometimes, sometimes the, the reaction is a lot more positive, sometimes it's a lot more negative, sometimes there's a big shock, you're a Christian, or even horror, you know. There's, just, there's this range of reactions, and since coming to Canada, one of the, one of the reactions I've got more than any other, actually, um, and I've had to, by the way, I've had to say why I've come to Canada, which I've come to Canada to help with this church, and so people will just go, oh, how are you today? And I'll say, I'm fine. They'll notice the action, uh, accent, and then they'll say, oh, why are you here? I mean, not like, that, not like why are you here? It's, it's more... What? Why are you here? It's, it's very—it's a very different question, and and the um the, the question that kind of you know uh, the, the answer to that question that I, I, I give you know I'm I'm, I'm a Christian. The, the response I get more than any other is actually, oh, that's good, that's good. Oh, that, that's nice. Oh, well done. Well done. Like more than more than any other reaction. I Remember, I just come to Canada. And this was in February, and um, Rich took me to my, my first Walmart experience. My first Walmart experience. I was at the checkout and I was just buying some things. I've been in Canada for two days. Said hello. The person said, "Where are you from?" Um, and I said, "Well, I, you know, I've come to um, I've, I've come from England. I've come to help start this this new church here." Um, and the, the reaction that people that this woman gave me was, "Oh, great! You know what?" We need more of that, don't we? <laughs> more of that? <laughs> more of what? What could that possibly have meant? And so I've been trying to find out. So what, what do all these reactions? Oh, good, well done, good for you. What? Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you go to church, you have faith, well done. What, what does that mean? And, and here's what I think I've worked out, is that you know it's one of the ways Christianity can be seen, effectively, as just like all these other things. Christianity is effectively like other things. It's one of the possible ways that you could live your life. One of the possible ways to try and be a good person and live a virtuous life. It's essentially like saying to someone when they hear, I'm a Christian. It's essentially like saying, oh, um, I'm, I'm a vegan. Oh, good for you. Well done. Oh, I, I give blood. Oh, that's nice. That's good. I've started to meditate we need more of that don't we we do we do need more of that and see here's the thing though here's the thing the whole point of this passage we've read this morning is that christianity is something completely new it's incomparable to anything else that you could go out there and find it's it's totally different it's utterly unique it's unprecedented that is why Jesus uses those two images at the end there. One of an old garment and uh, old clothing and a new new patch being put on. And how that just doesn't work and how it just rips and how it just doesn't stay on. Or, or you, t- you, ha- you take a, an old wine skin and you p- try and pour new wine and it just splits and the wine goes everywhere and it's spoiled. I mean what Jesus is saying is that his message is so new, so unprecedented, that the old actually has n- just no way to hold on to it. No way... To contain it. And I think actually anyone who has truly become a Christian, who is truly saved, if you like, is someone... Actually, that they've had this moment. They've had the moment where they thought, wow, how radical, how totally new this is. And we see this when, when, when Jesus meets Levi. So Levi, I am fascinated by Levi. I think Levi must have been a, just a terribly interesting person because Levi—he was a Jewish man. Um, he grew up a Jew, um, and, and in fact, he has a very, very Jewish name, like Levi. His parents have named him after one of the twelve tribes of, of Israel, of, of the tribe of the Levites. And the Levites are a special tribe because the Levites—they're they're, they're, they're the tribe that is set apart, and from this tribe will come the priests and serve God. So I just wondered. Were Levi's parents just full of hopes and dreams for Levi and how he would grow up to be a godly man? You know, as good as godliness was for Levi, Levi discovered that the Roman emperor paid a bit better. And so he becomes this tax collector, and a tax collector would work for the Roman oppressor, the Roman overlord, collaborate with them, uh, charge too much tax, pocket that money, that's for Levi now, that's his, and materially, tax collectors would become extremely wealthy, extremely wealthy off, off the backs of their Jewish brothers and sisters. And so people would just look at them as the lowest of the low, the archetypal sinner, He becomes effectively a spiritual runaway. Many years later though, Levi, he sat in his booth and along comes Jesus and Jesus says those two words that, if you've been following along in the series, we've heard Jesus say to many people, those two words, follow me, and Levi does. He does. And the spiritual runaway starts to come home. And as an aside, if you're wondering, who, who is this Levi, this guy, we find out in, in chapter three that he, Levi actually has a second name, and some people think that um, Jesus they actually gave him this new name, this new identity. The, the second name is Matthew. So it, we're, we're reading from the Gospel of Mark. Before Mark, there's a, there's a book in, in the Bible called Matthew. Again, it's, this is when we, we're starting to see when this particular eyewitness to all that Jesus does and says and teaches and how he dies and rises again. we're just seeing where this eyewitness. Enters the story, and as an aside to the aside, if I may, the uh, the name the name Matthew uh, means uh, gift from God, um, and my name is Matthew. So, um, some of you think gift from God. Hope you kept the receipt. Um, I didn't. No. <laughs> Levi, right, a spiritual runaway, loathed sinner, archetypal sinner, becomes a follower of Jesus and joins the various other people. What we've read here is that there seems to be many of those types of people hanging around with Jesus, following Jesus, even sitting down and eating with him. And this, we're starting to see, is what is so unique, so new about the message of Jesus. Because surely this sort of person, this sort of individual, ought not to be with Jesus, let alone called by Jesus, let alone sat down eating with him. Last week, uh, Richard introduced us to this new group of people that have entered the story in chapter 2 in Mark, uh, the scribes of the Pharisees. And the scribes of the Pharisees, these are educated Jewish men. They are going around teaching and preaching, and they have disciples. And so they come across Jesus. He's a Jewish man. He's going around. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's got disciples. And we found out last last week they didn't really get off to the best start, did they, in terms of talking to one another, because Jesus, this paralysed guy, Jesus is teaching, the paralysed guy turns up, Jesus takes one look at him, sees what this guy's need is, says, I forgive you of all of your sin, and the Pharisees go, whoa, whoa, only God can do that, and Jesus says, exactly. Well, he doesn't say exactly. He heals the man completely in order to, in order to say exactly. So they didn't get off to the, the best start, a man who can forgive sins. They're not really on board. But here we see this morning they're also offended by another new thing. How how, how, how can this man say to, to Levi, follow Me, You know, what's the question they ask him? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he eating with them? How can he say, follow me, to Levi? He's a spiritual runaway. Doesn't he know what sort of men those people are? Doesn't he know what sort of women those women are? How can you, Jesus, a righteous man of God, how can you be around people so unclean, so unrighteous before God? Okay? That's their complaint. Let's examine it. Let's see what this complaint reveals. The scribes' worldview is very much, okay, there are good, righteous, clean people before God, but then there are also sinners. Uh, people who are not... Sorry, I didn't mean to just, like, divide the rumour. I just realised I was doing that. We've got the righteous people, the people that God loved, and then we've got the sinners, which is all over here. I didn't mean to... Sorry, Rich. I didn't mean to make that judgment, but I suppose I, I suppose I've done that. So, right, You've got the sinners, the, the fraudulent ones, the tax collectors, the, the prostitutes, all these other sorts of people. They are good people and there are bad people. That is the scribes' world view, and we see that their assumption is well clearly they're over here. They're, the scribes are clearly over with the righteous. Once. That is, and indeed, that is their image. That's how people see them, and they work very hard to maintain that image. They wouldn't dream, oh, they wouldn't dream of being seen with the sinners, the tax collectors, let alone sitting down and eating with them. Because what they were concerned about is, is yes, is how they looked, how they looked, what their image was. Jesus, he just does not think like that at all. I'm trying to imagine Jesus thinking. I just can't imagine Jesus going, okay. I'm going to get together with my PR team I'm going to call in my, my management cons, you know my reputation management consultants we're going to have this meeting okay um, so what do you want to develop my, my personal brand right this has that have been a A very very righteous kind of good person, right? So I'm thinking about um, going and talking to this Levi, the the tax collector. How is that gonna play? What what are the optics on that? Ah, yeah, you're you're right. I don't. It's not gonna go well. Who who are the really upright, um, influential religious people? Oh, the Stripes. Well, get get them on the phone. Let's set up a dinner with them. I just I can't imagine. Jesus uh, doing like this because, I mean, why doesn't Jesus do that? Why doesn't Jesus care about his image in that way? Well, Let's let's look at the, what's the illustration that Jesus uses in this passage? It's not one of a spin doctor carefully managing his image. It's actually one of a medical doctor. Let's read again what Jesus says. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, the the picture that Jesus uses for himself is that of a physician. He says he's a doctor. The sinner, the person who has sinned against God, the person who is unclean, unrighteous, not right, there's a problem inside, it's like someone who is sick, and Jesus is saying, I'm a doctor, and I'm here to treat them. Now, suddenly, in that picture, I mean, the, the scribe's complaint of oh, how can you be with them just suddenly seems ridiculous. Because if Jesus is a doctor, of course the doctor is going to be with the sick people. I mean, it would be weird it'd Be weird if the doctor was not with sick people, wouldn't it? You know? Only, uh, you started a job this week, right, as, as a doctor. Congratulations, by the way. Yes, um, but I don't... Sure, one person applauded. One person applauded. Sure. <laughs> And that made everyone else applaud, forcing you to clap. No, but only—I'd I'd be very surprised. Tell me if this happened, but I don't think it did. Someone, someone comes in here this morning and says, "Only, what is this? I've heard outrageous rumours that you, a doctor, have been seen with sick people. Is this true? How dare you? You sicken me." Not like that. No, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. (laughs) That would be ridiculous, isn't it? Doctors spend time with sick people so that the sick people end up not sick, end up cured. Last week, Rich was talking to us about that man, unable to walk, and he was forgiven of his sin. Jesus is saying, just like the doctor has has the, the, the antidote or he has the, the doctor has the anti-venom Jesus is saying I've got the anti-sin I'm the only one who has that and I just love, I love how we see Jesus here going to be with the sinners going to be with the sick to, to love them, to even eat with them I love that so much I love that Jesus is a doctor that makes house calls I love that so much those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. When when Jesus says this, what he leaves up to these scribes of the Pharisees is for themselves to decide which they are. Which are you? Where where are you sat, if you like? Are you you righteous, or are you a sinner? And they would clearly, of course, say, well, I'm I'm righteous. In the meantime, that, that, that question that he's implicitly asking them is also a question he asks you this morning. Which, which are you? Where are you sat? Are, are you righteous or are you a sinner? And if you are righteous, then how are you righteous? See, if you were to ask one of the scribes that question, they would, they would stare at you like, just blankly for a few seconds. And then they would answer, well, I'm, I'm righteous because of what I do and what I don't do. Right? That's what separates me from the sinner, from the Levi, the tax collector. It's I don't sin like he does. I don't sin like they do. I don't offend God like that. And not only that, but I do good things as well. Okay, I do good things. like I fast. Which is another problem that people seem to have with Jesus, is that his disciples don't fast. They don't go without food. You know, it's completely, it's completely possible to do a thing... In such a mechanical way that it, it loses all meaning, is pointless, is meaningless. Because the spirit of the thing is lost. Now here, here's an example. This is a very old story. You might have heard this one before, but of, of a woman who one day she's preparing ham, she's cooking some ham and, and she cuts off the top few centimeters of this ham. And her husband comes in and goes, "Why? Why do you do that? I've been wondering for decades. Why do you do this thing when you cut the top of the ham off? I've finally asked me this question. Why?" Do-? And the woman says, "Well, I do it because, well, the um, or the, the flavors of. Actually, I don't. I don't know. My my, my mother just always used to do it. Um, and so when this woman sees her mother next, she says, "Why do you always cut off the top?" a few centimetres of this leg of ham and the mother goes well it's, um, it's to do with the uh, the juices and um, actually I have no idea I don't know why it's just what my, my mother always used to do and so eventually this woman goes to the grandmother and says grandmother I must know, it's killing me, I must know, why do you cut off the, the top few centimetres of the ham. And, and the grandmother ends up saying, but if I don't, the ham won't fit in the oven. It just won't go in there. It's too stupid. So you can, you can see, it, it's possible to do something in such a way that any benefit from the action is completely lost. So the whole practice ends up useless and dead. Jesus says to the scribes, you know what? Your fasting is pointless. It's like you're cutting off the top of the hand for just no, no reason. The fasting is dead, the fasting is meaningless. Let's see how Jesus says this. Can the wedding guests fast when while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. So Jesus says he is the bridegroom. We've got to see, this is, this is such an incendiary picture for Jesus to be using to these educated scribes. These scribes know the Old Testament. They know just how often through the Bible this illustration of the bridegroom is used in Jeremiah, Hosea, and Ezekiel uh, Isaiah. Just again and again the one person who says, I am the bridegroom. I am coming to claim to rescue my bride. The one person who says that again and again and again is God. And here's Jesus going... The bridegroom has come. That's me. I mean, that, that's, again, Jesus is saying, he's making a claim even bigger than I am God, uh, I am king, saying he, that he's God. Here's Jesus' point, right? The scribes' reason for fasting and for doing all the good things, not just fasting, but doing all the good things that they do, is they're trying to get God's attention so that when they pray, God listens to them. It's trying to get God's attention. But Jesus is saying, well, the bridegroom is here. You already have my attention. The, the scribes are the Pharisees, they're doing all these good things, they're working really hard uh, in order to make God love them. But Jesus is saying that the bridegroom loves his bride already. The scribes are fasting for totally the wrong reason. See, the problem with the scribes thinking, oh, they've concluded they've done it. That in their fasting and all the good things that they do, that they've made, they've done it. They they've forced God, they've made Him be pleased with them. That in the fasting, the way that they fasted and all these other things, they've elevated themselves out from above the, the you know the lowly sinner into the position of being good and righteous before God. Now my concern, my concern is this and I think that in Ottawa. Many people think this exact same way. They might not say it out loud. They might not even say it in their own hands. But what they would think about, well, you know, they, what they'd feel is, if there is a God when I die, and if it turns out there is a God, then yeah, sure, I, I think he'd be quite happy, quite pleased with all of my goodness. That's what I think lots of people you know they, they might not fast they might not do religious things but they'd say well I do sort of loads of, I'm a good person I'm a better person than most people right I do all sorts of things I, I wear ethically sourced clothes I, get, I give all of my old clothes to charity I give to the homeless I get involved in, in social justice schemes and I sign petitions and I go on marches and when I go to a restaurant I tip really really well and when someone bumps into me I say sorry it's not even my fault I'm I'm a good person. I do all of these none of these things are bad, but all I'm saying is what they do not do, what they cannot do, is they don't make you right righteous before God. They can't do that. They can't address the spiritual sickness that is inside. It's like it's almost like slapping a band-aid on you know terminal cancer. It just doesn't get to the root of the issue. And if that's you this morning, if you're working from that place of saying, you know what, before God I'm bringing my own works, my own good things, my own righteousness. And then what Jesus would sort of actually have to say to you today is, I've got nothing for you. I've actually got nothing. I, I came, not not for the righteous, not for the person who thinks I've got it together. I came for the sinner. See, if, if Jesus is a physician, if, if Jesus is a, as a doctor, then this, the Grace City Church, this is a hospital. This is a place where people come who don't have it all together. People who people go, what, them? They're not righteous. They, they go to church? I'm surprised they don't catch on fire as soon as they walk in. Have you ever heard that? I've heard less of people say that, even since coming to Canada. It's like, oh, but church is for the, the righteous person, the good person. No, 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 church is for the, the person who is, is not right, who is not fixed, who is not clean. This is a place where anyone can discover this physician, this Jesus. This Jesus who mends and heals and redeems in just miraculous ways. Who, who has what he has to offer is new life. New life, and not just new life, but then he, he brings a whole new lifestyle in order to contain it. In order to hold this new life. See, he says, Jesus says, when my people fast, you know, it, it, they're going to fast for the right reasons. No, they're not going to fast because, oh, they're trying to earn my love. They're trying to make me love them. No, they will know that they're loved. They're not going to try to fast in order to get my attention. They will know, wow, I've, already, I've got God's attention. I've got God's ear. When, when, he, when, when I pray, he listens. He hears me. When they fast, it will be a genuine appetite thing of, oh, I just want to be with my God. I know that God is enough for me. He's, I, I hunger just for him and him alone. You see, the, the really sad thing, honestly, the, the really heartbreaking thing from this story is that the scribes reject Jesus because they don't, they don't think they need a saviour. They think they've got it together. This explains, I mean, in the Gospels, I don't know if you've read the, the other Gospels, but again and again, we see so few religious type people come to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you. And again and again through the Gospels, it's the people who are a wreck, who have messed up the life, who, are not, who know they're not right. They're the ones who find Jesus, who actually make it, who actually come b- before the Saviour and, and get saved. I mean, this is the, this is the great irony of the Gospel. That those who are sinners the lowest of the low, people like Levi, the sinner, ends up being saved and becoming righteous. And the, the person who thinks that they're righteous, who's got it all together, ends up stuck in their sin, with their sin, sti- uh, sickness, and never ends up meeting Jesus. Jesus dies for the sinner. This is how the sinner becomes. This is how you or I become clean, is that Jesus dies on a cross for us. You know, Rather than presenting our own righteousness and saying, God, look at all the good things I've done. The only way we come before God and are accepted is if we come on Jesus' righteousness, on Jesus' blood and only his. The scribes miss out on seeing the doctor as their doctor. The scribes miss out on seeing Jesus as their bridegroom. If if you're here and you're you're not yet a follower of Jesus, listen, this this doesn't have to be your story. This this morning you can come to Jesus and and discover the forgiveness, the the cleansing, the washing, the healing, the deep spiritual healing that only he can bring. just the same forgiveness that Levi the tax collector received. You can receive that acceptance from God this morning. Despite all of their slaving away, the scribes never did. If you would like to receive that, we're going to we're going to respond in a, in a few ways this morning. We're all going to stand. We're going to. Meg, Maria are going to come back and, and lead us. But if if that's you, this morning, I just want to I just want to um, yeah say this. If, if you if you would like to to receive the acceptance of God, the forgiveness of God, for perhaps the first time this morning, I'm going to be over here. is oh, going to join me. Maybe I'll rope Kate into it. I don't know as well. Um, just come and speak to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. And there's also another thing I was feeling this morning. I don't know if the story of Levi might really resonate with some of you this morning. That of a spiritual runaway. Someone who once was with Jesus, following Jesus maybe. And this morning you will say, ah, oh, it's been a while. It's been a while since uh, I sat down and just prayed with him. Just spent some time with him. know, if that's you, then what we're going to do in a moment, we're going to come to communion and this is a table of grace. I'll explain that in a moment. We're going to sing a song first. But if that's you, please know there's such grace here this morning. There's such forgiveness. We'd love to pray for you as well. We'll do that after communion if that's okay. But let's stand, please, with me. Um, If you're a Christian, let's just respond with worship. Let's respond with thanksgiving that our God has, has come as a man, died for us so that we may know, we may know the doctor, we may know the bridegroom, we may know our Saviour.